Hey, we are continuing our series that we're calling The New Life. And this is basically about how do we go ahead and walk with God in this life? What is it like? Because Jesus changed the world with two words, follow me. He called people to lay down the old and follow him and pick up the new. Let the old life go, pick up a new life, be born again, have new life in Christ. This is what he calls us to. And in this series, we're looking at what that new life looks like, common experiences along the road of following Jesus. Last week, we talked about counting the costs. You know, if you're going to get started, you need to count the costs and make sure that you're ready to follow Jesus because you don't want to start and then fall back and then start and fall back. You want to be fully committed in your mind. I'm ready to go with Jesus now and then go ahead and go and stay faithful. That's where you want to be. So don't short circuit the process by not making a real commitment at the beginning. So you got to count the costs. And then when you decide to follow Jesus, You're ready to go, and that's what we're talking about this week. We're talking about walking by faith. So how do we walk by faith when we are living the new life? So that's our topic for today. Faith is so important to following Jesus that it's called the faith. You know, fight the good fight of the faith. You know, we are to walk by faith. Living a life of faith is an essential part of the new life you know, not jaded and angry, not pessimistic and depressed, but full of faith, believing God and going forward with that. So what is that like? John chapter 6, verse 28, people asked Jesus a very, very important question. And this question, I remember the first time I read this or I was listening on tape, I can't remember if it was reading it or listening to it. I remember when the question was posed and I was like, I want to know the answer to this question. So here's the question. John 6, 28. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Isn't that a fantastic question? Jesus is teaching and they're asking him, you know, hey, we don't really understand exactly what's going on. What do we need to do to do what God requires of us? How do we meet expectations from God? What do we do? Jesus answers it in verse 29. Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. I don't know about you, but I grew up in North Dakota. Work was something you did with your hands. You did stuff. You got up early. You got your work done. And then the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. A very interesting answer. What does it mean to believe in Jesus, to believe in the one that God has sent? What does that mean? Some people abuse that language. You know, they're like, oh, you don't have to do anything. You just sort of believe in your head and then you can go live however you want. And yeah, it doesn't matter. It isn't think Jesus is real. That's not what believe in means. If I was to give my wife a Valentine's Day card, in the Valentine's Day card, you open it up and it says, I acknowledge your existence. You know, does that mean that I love my wife? You know, it. That's not the same. We're to love God. We're to believe in God, have our faith in God. That's what we're supposed to do. And so there's more to it than just thinking Jesus is real or something along those lines. So for our purposes, when we're talking about walking by faith, we're talking about believing in, trusting in, having faith in, all of that. So I don't want you playing with the language to try to think, well, I just think God's real. So I guess I've done everything that there is to do. 
Let me use an example from sports, and I'm going to use basketball. I was a wrestler. It, it hurts me to use basketball as an example, but I think it's the best way to be able to make this point. Let's say that there's a basketball game, and it goes down to like there's five seconds left, and there's a timeout. The team is going to inbound the ball, and they're down by one. They need a basket in order to win the game. If they don't get a basket, they're going to lose. There's five seconds left. And the coach, you know, calls a timeout, pulls the players together, and he's like, all right, I've been waiting for this moment. I got to play. I've been looking at what the defense is doing. Uh, I got to play for you guys. And he draws up a play, and it's a little unorthodox. And the team looks at the play. Now, they're not questioning whether or not their coach exists, but they are questioning whether or not they believe in their coach. They're questioning whether or not they are going to do this unorthodox play that the coach is calling. Now, if they believe in their coach, they're going to say something like, well, I don't exactly understand how that's going to work, but I know you know more than I do. I'm going to trust you with that. And the team's going to be like, yeah, let's do it. And they're going to run the play. If they don't believe in their coach, the star player is going to look at the guy inbounding the ball and it's like, you know, just throw me the ball. Let's forget that. Uh, I'll just take the shot and we'll win. You know, like they're going to take it into their own hands if they don't believe in their coach, but they're going to run the play if they believe in their coach. And so that's what it means to believe in Jesus. We will run the play. We will trust what he has to say. Jesus makes this point in Luke chapter 6. We were just in John chapter 6. Now we're going to Luke chapter 6. This is the gospel of Luke's recording of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? He's saying, why do you call me Lord? Why do you say that I have authority over you, that you trust me, that and yet you don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? That is basically Jesus saying, look, you call me Lord like the coach, but you don't trust me. You don't believe in me. You don't do what I say. You ignore what I say. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? It's a contradiction. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then you will do what your Lord tells you to do. And so if we call Jesus Lord, but we don't do what he says, then it's a contradiction. Then we're not living out what we say we believe. So trusting in God, putting your faith in God, believing in God means that you believe that God knows something that you don't, so you follow his direction. That's what believing in, trusting in, you believe that God's ways are higher than your ways, that he understands better than we do. And so when we read something in the scriptures and we're like, ah, the example I like to give is love your enemies. You know, like that, it makes no sense. It's not something that's coherent. It's not something that fits our culture. Love your enemies. Like, why would we do that? When you realize, okay, God knows something I don't know. Am I going to believe and trust in God when he shows me something I don't understand? Or am I going to go my own way because I believe and trust in me? So I'm going to refuse to follow the play, the direction that Jesus gives, love your enemies, you know, also in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew. Are we going to believe that and run the play? Like if you believe in the coach, you're going to run the play. If you believe in Jesus as Lord, you'll do what he says. You'll run the play. 
You know, trusting in God means you believe that he knows something that you don't know. So you follow his direction when you don't understand, when you're unsure. The first part of walking by faith is submitting your life to Christ as your Lord. But Jesus is Lord and Savior. Lord means the authority, the one who is above you, your higher power, who you turn to for direction. And then if you ignore that direction, then of course, Jesus is not your Lord. So if you're going to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior by faith, if you're going to walk by faith, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then that means that you believe that he is able to save you and that he is the authority over your life so that this, the sacrifice Jesus has made is enough for you to be forgiven, set free, made a child of God, and able to live a new life. Like you believe that because Jesus was able to do that. And so you trust in that. You believe in that. He is your savior. And then he's your Lord means that you're going to put into practice what he teaches. So that is walking by faith, submitting to Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the first part of walking by faith. But then we continue on. You know, we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We keep believing that. We keep grabbing a hold of that. But there's a little bit more to it than just accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because the first part of walking by faith is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The second part of walking by faith is learning how to move mountains. The first part of walking by faith is submitting your life to Christ as your Lord and Savior. The second part of walking by faith is moving mountains. Let's look at an interesting dialogue here in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus is going to go help somebody out. Somebody's really sick. He's going to go help them out. And then something happens along the way. We'll just read verses 20 through 22. So Jesus is on the way to help some people out. The synagogue leader, his daughter died, and he's going to go help with that. It's a terrible situation. So you could think how distracted this would be. There's a bunch of people traveling. And then this woman comes up to Jesus and something amazing happens. Verse 20, chapter 9 of Matthew. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. So this is a, the short version of the story. There's a longer version in another gospel. But here we see the woman comes, touches the edge of Jesus' cloak. That had significant symbolic meaning in the Jewish culture that I'm not going to go into, but it wasn't just some random thing. Like if I just had one of his dirty socks, you know, like there was meaning behind touching the edge of his cloak for receiving healing from the teacher. So she's, she wants to access that healing. And so she, she touches the edge of his cloak. And Jesus says that very interesting thing. Your faith has healed you. Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Quite a statement. You know, how exactly does that work? Because I think this is another situation where we can get confused. You know, when, when we were talking about believing in the one God has sent, that that's the works that God requires is for us to believe, we can take that wrong and think that, uh, you know, we can just have a certain idea in our head and go do whatever we want. That's not exactly it. We're supposed to put into practice the teachings of Jesus. That's what it means to believe in him. 
But here, Jesus says to this woman, your faith has healed you. And what does that mean? How do we understand that? Your faith has healed you. Well, you can get off to the side where you start thinking that, you know, well, faith, I can just have faith and anything can happen. You know, like we can turn the pulpit into gold, you know, and buy a new building addition. Uh, that'd be great. Let's, let's all believe that this will all turn to gold. You know, that's not exactly how this works. How does this work? Your faith has healed you. Well, what Jesus was saying, you know, your faith has healed you. Your faith in Christ to this woman, your faith in me, Jesus would say, has healed you. Go in peace. Basically, he's saying that the faith she had allowed her access to the power of God. The faith was the way that she gained access to the power of God, to the potential that was there through Christ. So faith in God accesses the power of God. The power of God is there. And maybe we're over here. How do we make the connection between us and the power of God? That's by faith. You know, one example would be salvation that we talked about earlier, forgiveness of sins and being brought into the family of God. People can be separated from God over here, but Jesus has already died on the cross to forgive every one of their sins. And so all you've got to do is put your faith in Christ and you can receive that forgiveness and that new life. But until you put your faith in Christ, you don't have access to that forgiveness. You put your faith in Jesus, that accesses the forgiving power of God in your life, and you're, you're born again. You're made new. Let's look at this from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. We're going to focus on a verse 8, but let me uh, scroll through here to Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 through 10, which tell you what, these are some important verses. So let's go ahead and read this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has good works for us to do, but this is not what saves us. What saves us is the grace of God, not our works, but God's grace. And this grace is accessed through faith. Verse eight, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we have the gift of God, which is salvation, that comes to us by the grace of God. We did not earn it. We do not deserve it. It is the mercy and grace of God, which allows us salvation, but we access that by faith. Faith is what brings us into the grace of God to receive the gift of salvation. So hallelujah for that. That's big stuff. Faith accesses the grace of God for salvation. Faith accesses the healing power of God, like the woman who came and touched the edge of Jesus' cloak. Faith accesses not just salvation and healing, but all the types of mountains that need to be moved in our lives freedom. You know, are you stuck in a habit that you can't break? You can get freedom from that through Christ by faith, accessing the power of God for freedom in your life, for deliverance from dark spirits and evil stuff and yucky mentalities. 
You can be free from that. By faith, we access the Holy Spirit for spiritual gifts, all kinds of different things along those lines. You're calling in service to the Lord. You access that by faith. God has a plan, but we have to put faith on it to access the power of God for that. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about getting your life right. The fancy church word for that is sanctification. You know, it's the process of aligning your heart and your behavior with the ways of God, sanctification. But we'll just talk about living right, getting your life right, you know, getting yourself straightened out here. You know, that is we access by faith the ability to live for Christ day to day, to not live for sin, but to live for Christ, to not be stuck in all this junk, you know, our dark thoughts and bad behaviors and not stuck there, but getting free from that and able to live the right ways, walk with God, walk uh, and serve the Lord, be a light for Christ in this world. But all of this stuff is faith in God to move mountains in our lives. And this is how faith works with whatever you put your faith in. You believe in yourself, that will give you access to your full potential. If you don't believe in yourself, you won't meet your full potential. In fact, it's very difficult for people to meet their full potential. I don't know if anyone ever really has, but if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to try, you're going to get discouraged too soon, and you're going to quit, and you're not going to meet your full potential. But if you believe in yourself, you can access all the power that you have to succeed in life and whatever it is that you're dealing with. So you got to have faith in yourself. Faith accesses the power of the thing that you put your faith in. You know, if you're putting your faith in yourself, you're putting your faith in God, as we've been talking about. Let's, uh, to make this point, let's look at higher education as an example. Let's say that you're like, oh man, I need to go to college, get a degree. I believe that that's the way, that's my ticket, you know? So you believe in higher education, you go to school, go to college, you get your loans, you study, you get your degree, you get a job, and then you live it up for the rest of your life, right? Because that's how that works. Well, if you believe in higher education, that's the road you're going to go down. Now, that sounds nice. It doesn't always work that well. You know, sometimes people end up with a degree that they can't get a job with, and they have huge amounts of loans, or which I think is just, it's a tragedy. How do I, I want to be nice here. If you get a degree where you're not going to get a job and you got a 1.8 GPA, you know, you got a bunch of student loans, then you've been taken advantage of, you know, like don't do that to yourself. That's not a, that's not a good thing. The thing that you put your faith in that you can access the power of that. But if you don't really understand how it works, it might go poorly for you. Like it's not just the systems of higher education, though they should know better than the 18 year old who's signing up for college you know, who gets this degree and uh, has all these loans and or doesn't get their degree, however it all works out. If, if you understand how higher education works, you can use it to your advantage. But if you don't understand, it might go poorly. And there's some realities with that in putting your faith in God. If you don't really understand how it works, then you might try to move mountains in the wrong ways and end up having problems and you'll wonder what's going on. Let's talk about that with regards to faith in God. If you put your faith in God and it didn't exactly work out, you know, why is that? Couple quick things here. Because I mean, if we're going to walk by faith and we're going to believe God to move mountains, I've believed God to move mountains and had situations not go according to plan. A funny example, I've told this in church a few times, when I was a pretty new believer, you know, I was still back in college 
And uh, I was thinking, you know, hey, I'm working, I'm going to school, I got all this stuff going on. I'm going to believe God did not need to sleep, you know, because I shouldn't need to sleep. Why should I need to sleep? You know, I got this stuff going on. God's well able to make me not need to sleep. He created the universe. I shouldn't have to sleep. So, God, I'm going to trust you for the ability to not need to sleep. And poof, off I went. Now, I would sleep recreationally. You know, if I had some time, I would sleep. But I wouldn't do that, you know, it was like dessert. I didn't do that every day. And so what happened was I realized that uh, you can't do that. (laughs) It doesn't work. You know, like you don't get to just not sleep for the rest of your life. We're going to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Hallelujah for that. But that doesn't mean you never have to sleep ever again in your life, you know. And so I actually fell asleep while being introduced to somebody, you know, like, hey, how you doing? You know, and I could feel it, you know, how the horizon starts to flip. And I'm like, oh, I'm going. So I realized, you know, this is not working. So what, what went wrong? I'm, I'm putting my faith in God to move a mountain, to have the energy to not need to sleep. Why wouldn't God do that? You know, well, God can do anything, but he's not just going to do anything that you want. You don't just get to assume that God will do your bidding. And that's what I was doing. I was naive and foolish. And so I was just thinking, oh, God can do that. I'm going to believe for that. Well, I was just assuming that God would do that. And then later on, I read in the scriptures about Sabbath rest and things like that and how rest is an important part of living for God. And it's just part of who we are in Christ. And so we do need to rest. And so not only was it just me making something up to believe God for, it also was something that was contrary to scripture. And so I made the mistake of believing in assumption, not finding a promise of God, but just making up a promise and then believing for that. If you want to believe in God, put your faith in God, then you need to find a promise in the scriptures or through prayer, though, if it's in prayer, make sure you learn how to hear from God. Well, we'll cover that at some point during this series as well. But, you know, if you think you're hearing from God and you're just talking yourself into something and you're believing for that, you're still not getting a promise from God. You need to make sure that you're believing in God, not in your assumption. And that's what I was doing. I was believing for this assumption. You know, I shouldn't need to sleep. But the reality is God can do anything, but he's not going to just do whatever we want him to do. We've got to find the promises in the scriptures. And then after that, when you find a promise, Then when we're trying to move mountains, we've got these other things that we need to learn, things like weak faith, making sure that we're not wishy-washy in our faith, fear. Um, When we were first planting the church 12 years ago now here in Cloquet, you know, every day was a battle between faith and fear. Am I going to believe that God has us here and that this is going to work? Or am I going to cower in fear thinking, what if this doesn't work? Uh," You know, because I got other people's money on the line that they'd given to Jesus to advance the kingdom of God. And I messed that up. I feel really bad. And, you know, all the different things going on with that. There was so much opportunity for fear. I had to make a constant choice every day to walk by faith, say, no, God, you called us here. We believe that this is where we belong this church is going to go. We're going to make it. We're trusting you, Lord. And and so we're walking by faith instead of fear. There's selfishness. You know, if you just want stuff for yourself, and so you're believing for things for selfish reasons, God has no obligation to meet your selfish desires. It's just a simple fact. And there's perseverance. There's all these different things that we learn in trying to 
move mountains. You know, you got to persevere. You got to walk by faith, not by fear. Get rid of all the selfish desires, your wishy-washy faith, all that. We got to get free from all of that. Then we try to keep going forward, believe in God for mountains to move. Back then it was planting the church. Now we have this beautiful piece of property we were able to buy 10 minutes from the church here, right on the border of Jay Cook State Park. And we're trying to build a house there. And, you know, 12 years ago, my main thing of walking by faith was seeing the church plant work. And now, you know, it's an established church. I got to believe God to take the next level and, you know, take the next steps and, and keep continuing to make progress and build the staff and all of that. But now, you know, it's like, oh, I, I need to put my faith on building this house, on trusting God. We believe God has us here and that God has a place for us and that we can make our long-term home and, uh, you know, get old. My wife and I can get old there and, and uh, excited about that. Uh, so now I'm believing God to get that house built. So, you know, put my faith on that. And so you got to see what is God having you to put your faith on? Is it consistent with the scriptures? Do you feel that you're being led in the right way? Then it's time to put your faith on it. I believe I need to put my faith on building that house. Just like before, put the faith on establishing Good Hope Church. And uh, so then we, we got to have faith to move those mountains, those big challenges in life that we can overcome. So. Let's go ahead and do that. All right, we're getting ready to land the plane here. The real promises of God are not platitudes, okay? So too many times people have this fairy tale, you know, cutesy little idea of what God's going to do for them. You know, we talked about that the first week in this series, you know, talking about the, uh, the parable of the sower and the shallow soil, the weedy soil. The real promises of God are not platitudes, but they're challenges that we accept because we trust God and we believe God for the results of the promise. So they are challenges that we accept. Let's go back to Luke chapter six, where we read where Jesus, you know, said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Luke chapter six, we're going to read that verse and we're going to keep going from there. Verses 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So here, this is a challenge. Jesus is saying, yeah, you believe in me. You call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. Go ahead and put into practice what I say, because then you'll be like somebody building a house on the rock, on a firm foundation. When the storms come, the house will stand. But if you hear what I say and you don't do it, and the storms come, then it's all going to fall apart. So if we follow the teachings of Jesus, trusting in the Lord, then we believe to be sustained through the storms of life. But if instead we ignore the teachings of Jesus and we go ahead and live a lie and we go ahead and, you know, do all these things that, that are contrary to the ways of God that we'll talk a little bit more about next week, then we can expect things to fall apart. You know, if your life is based on other people believing things that aren't true for your life to work, 
then when the truth comes out, everything falls apart. And that's not a good way to live. You want to live in such a way that when the truth comes out, you stand through the storm. You stand because the truth doesn't hurt you. The truth benefits you. That's what you want. And so when we live the ways of God, we believe in the one whom God sent, Jesus Christ. We put into practice what he's got. We accept the challenge to live out the teachings of Christ, and we believe God for the results of being sustained through the storms of life. Hallelujah for that. That's how we walk by faith. We trust in God to bring us to a better place because we think he knows something we don't know. So we're going to go ahead and trust in the wisdom and the power and the strength of God. All right, let's finish off by doing something that Jesus told us to do in Luke chapter 22. Let's read Luke 22, 14 through 20 from the Lord's Supper, starting in verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So we have the body of Christ, which is given for you. And we are to remember, we're to do this in remembrance of him. We're to remember what Jesus has done for us. One of the things, one of the teachings of Christ is to remember what God has done for us, that Jesus is our savior. He is the one who paid the price, his body broken for our healing and his blood shed for our forgiveness. He has paid the price. When we trust in him as our savior, we can receive forgiveness of sins. And when we remember that that's where we're at, that's our situation, that we are dependent on the grace of God, not our own power and our own goodness, but we are saved by grace through faith, then we can keep our hearts right. And so let's put our faith in what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great plan of redemption. Thank you that you do not reject those who fail, but that you wash us clean, forgive us, and redeem us. Lord, thank you for that. For those who have received that blessing in the past, help us to do this in remembrance of what you've done. Keep in the, in the forefront your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness that we access by faith. Let us not become arrogant. Let us not look down on others but let us know that it is your goodness and your mercy and your grace that sustains us. And Lord, for those who have not put their faith in you, I pray, Lord, now would be a time when they look to you and they realize that there is a savior, there is forgiveness of sins and there is new life and that they would put their hope and their trust and their faith in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. Help us to believe in you and to trust in you. When our hearts start to fail, Lord, encourage us and strengthen us. Fill us with faith. Help us to stand strong for you. And Lord, encourage us to walk in your ways and to trust in you so that we can access all the power you have for us in our lives. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name, amen.